in this sixth session on Ephesians 1, 1 and 2, we return one more time to the question, why does Paul call us Christians saints? Why is this his favorite word 39 times in his letters, nine times in the book of Ephesians? He calls us saints, never calls us Christians. This is his favorite designation for all those who follow Jesus, all those who are saved, all those who are born again. He could call us so many things, and he calls us saints. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So, Father, as we look one more time at how this is rooted in your holiness, grant, I pray, that we would have a proper awe and a proper understanding and a proper living out of your holiness as it is worked in us by the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What we saw last time, just by way of review, is that there are two significances, two meanings to saints. One is consecration, consecrated to God, separated to God, dedicated to God, and the other is um, moral likeness to God. So as we are separated to him, devoted to him, we become morally like him. And then we saw for this, we were chosen. He chose us, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. That's the word for saints, that we should be saints and blameless. So it is his eternal purpose to choose us for this. And then Christ comes into the world and he dies for this. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That means he died for her. Why? That he might sanctify. That's the verb form of the word make a saint or make holy, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and blameless or without blemish. Same words as in chapter 1, verse 4. So we're chosen for it and Christ died for it and it is to be in conformity to the likeness of God. Put on the new self, you Christians, you saints, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So our holiness is modeled on the holiness of God. Here's what Peter says. He, as he who called you is holy, you be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Or as Hebrews 12.10 says, God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. We become holy by sharing his holiness, which means this glorious verse 14 in Hebrews 10, that we are in a sense 
already perfectly holy and yet becoming holy. Look at this verse. For by a single offering, that's Jesus Christ crucified, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time, perfected, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What a paradox, right? Well, if we're being sanctified, we're not yet perfect. Are we? Yes, we are. He says we are. He has perfected us. So in Christ, we have our standing, and it is perfect holiness. And in experience, we are becoming in reality what we are in Christ. We are being made holy in experience. So, what we need to do is find out what God's holiness is. So let's close by reflecting. What I've done is written out for you my reflections on the holiness of God. This is so big. This is not a, a course in systematic theology. This is just an effort to work our way through Ephesians, running into things like <laughs> to the saints, to the holy ones, and so model on God's holiness. What is it? So here are my reflections on the holiness of God. God has no standard of right or wrong, good or bad, pure or impure, beautiful or ugly, holy or unholy, outside himself. We do, right? We have scripture and we have God himself. Outside ourselves, there is an absolute standard that we must accord with, bring our lives into conformity with. What does God bring himself into conformity with? Nothing outside himself. So to speak of God as good or pure or beautiful or holy, what does it mean since he has no standard to accord with? Number two, God's godness, that's not a misprint. Godness, not goodness, godness, God's being God, his being as God, his very unique transcendent nature as God is his standard of holiness and all these other things. That is, since holiness means separated, remember that I said it's consecrated, devoted, dedicated, separated, since it means separated from what is common or ordinary, God is infinitely separated in being in a class by himself. So in a sense, the godness of God is infinite, separ infinite separateness. You see that? Holiness gets its root from God's absolute uniqueness as totally separate, dedicated unto himself, consecrated unto himself, separated unto himself, infinitely above, distinct from all else, he is, we can use the word, transcendent or other. Third, that's his standard. 
We have God as our standard. God has God as his standard in his infinite separateness or transcendence. He is lacking in no perfection. He is infinitely beautiful and valuable in the harmony of all his perfection. So everything is, everything that God is, you list out all his attributes. They are all perfect and they are all in perfect harmony. And that cluster of perfections in perfect harmony is infinitely beautiful and infinitely valuable. That's God's standard of holiness. Oops, did I number these wrong? I did. So I'm going to renumber them for you as we go. This is, this is four. This is five. Therefore, God has the two dimensions of holiness that we saw earlier. Separated unto God and having no imperfections or moral purity. Conforming to the value he has as infinitely transcendent and separate. So there are the two dimensions of holiness that we talked about for us. Consecration to God and moral likeness to God. God has those. Five, to complete the definition of God's holiness, we add that it consists finally in that all his emotions all his thoughts, all his actions accord with, are in perfect harmony with, perfect consistency with, in accordance with his infinite worth and beauty. So I'm saying his infinite worth and beauty is his holiness, but his holiness is also everything he is, does, feels, thinks, is in accord with that value and beauty. What he feels, what he thinks, what he does flow from a right valuing of his infinite worth and beauty. That's his righteousness. He, he rightly values his infinite worth and beauty. This is what we mean by saying his godness is the standard of his holiness. In some, God's holiness is his infinite transcendence, his infinite worth, and his flawless feeling, thinking, and acting in accord with his worth. Those three things. Infinitely transcendent, other, set apart, in a class by himself, and therefore infinite worth, in all of his completeness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, lacking in nothing, and then all of his feelings, all of his thinking, all of his action, in perfect accord and harmony with that worth. Six, seven. Finally, these are only two more. Therefore, we share God's holiness when we, now I'm talking about our holiness. So what is our holiness? If that's what God's holiness is, we share God's holiness when we feel and think and act in accord with the supreme value of all that God is for us in Christ, his holiness. Our holiness 
is our treasuring God in Christ above all so that all our emotions and thoughts and deeds reflect his supreme beauty and value. Seven, this is what God chose for us before the foundation of the world, as it says in 1.4, and what Jesus died for in Ephesians 5.25-27. This is the essence of why Paul calls us holy ones. It is true of us in Christ, that is, we are holy in Christ. It is becoming true of us in experience, this conformity to God's value and beauty, and it will be completed along with bodily resurrection when Christ comes. It's no small thing, no small thing, that we are called saints more often than we are called anything else in Paul's vocabulary. We're called holy ones. We're chosen to be holy. Christ died to make us holy. And our holiness is all the feelings, all the thoughts, and all the actions that conform to our treasuring God above everything in Christ.